Let's give our rankings. Uh, Yosh, do you want to go first for this one? I will go first. Um, so, my thoughts on Beauty and the Beast briefly. Um, I've this is again, you know, like most of the films that come to our show, I bring them on typically either because you guys tell me about them, but more more often because I've heard about them time and time again and from their interviews uh, from directors. This is one that many directors speak about and since we're doing a fantasy themed show I looked to acquire a film that uh, was in the fantasy genre early on within cinema history I didn't want to go as far back as Trip to the Moon in the 20s which I think is really the first fantasy film um, but I looked for a film that maybe was uh, an example of, of a director sort of changing the genre and, and taking risks and chances to open the genre up and I think that's what this film really represents. Um, so my ranking for the beauty and the beast. Oh, hold on. Is Six point nine. A six. Wow. Fair. Okay. All right. Six point nine. You pass to you. I am going to pass it to one Arenaldo Manunu. That's me. Uh, uh, sounds like So this is my. Experience of the beauty and the beast. That's a good um This film was uh, uh, very interesting. I had 
had no idea that Beauty and the Beast had like an original story. Um, um, so I was pleasantly surprised to dive into this and, and see what it was about. The story goes far further back than the movie, but yes. Oh, okay. okay. See, I, I want to hear some of this history. Um, you, you know, this had a lot of uh, interesting shots, and I could tell it was very uh, uh, inventive for the time. Uh, um, I, yeah, I was definitely drawn to the reverse shots here, and we can kind of get into it. Um, so, for that, I gave this film a 7.4. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Similar to Yos. Respectable. I rather, I rather enjoyed it, but it's not going to get a big rating. Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, and where are you going? I'm going to Mr. Polly Jackson. Chris, thank you so much for that. Snippet from Beauty and the Beast. I, for the first time in our 18 episode tenure, was crying. And I pulled out my tissue. Uh, yes. So this is a movie that I, I have said. Was your first time crying? First time crying at a clip that Chris, our illustrious oh. producer, has pulled together. Just a, a, what a wonderful moment when a man sort right. of gives, him all, gives himself all, all to someone. Ah, so beautiful. Um, yes, I realized as I was I guess maybe I thought there were other versions of Beauty and the Beast. As Chris has already enumerated, there are, are the Disneyfication of Beauty and the Beast. Great. But for some reason, I thought there were other black and white versions of Beauty and the Beast. I cannot 
find one. I could be wrong. So it was a pleasure once again to watch this movie and say, wait, I've seen this before. Oh, this, this rendering is really not nice. It seems very lush and has some texture to it. And of course, there's criterion where uh, we have an account. I watched this movie. It was uh, just, just a joy to watch. I love this story. I love some of the technical charm uh, of the, the uh, of the movie. Uh, uh, it worked for me. It um, made me feel like a kid again. So Paul, Paul gives Beauty and the Beast. Likes that. Yes, Paul. Oh. Uh, 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 how do you say? I'm not going to do that. Uh, uh, it, it is an interesting <laughs> film. It is, it is. It should not be from 1946. Uh, um, I, and I love, I love the little intro that Jacques uh, Jean Cousteau wrote. Yes. Um, uh, just you know, children can believe this. So please, just give me the chance to show you that fantasy can be real. And I was like, you know what? I like that. I like I like the kind of like like hey, we we've been through a lot. Uh, well, even at the time of the movie came out, like we have been through hell. I'm not going to show you do anything like that. Forget all, all that. Come with me on this journey, right? So, so for that, and we'll get into obviously the historical significance of all that and, and all of the you know great little oh god <laughs> all of the great little tidbits that we can see this movie but before we do that I'm going to give this film an 8.3 
Right. How about what we got? That we got a. How about Snow White? What was that? Uh, Mulan is from China. Oh, yep. China. Okay. Story about Snow White. White. Snow White is German. She's she wears wow. a Bavarian dress. Chris is two oh, no. Wow. Um, Here's an easy one, Aladdin. Well, depends on who you ask. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. It's Arabian in nature. Oh, three in a row for, for Christopher. All right, is it just, um, just, just me answering questions? <laughs> <laughs> Gold star. Cinderella. China. French. France. Yep. Wow. Chris is killing it. Um, I was close. How about uh, Ariel? Whatever that one's called. The, the little mermaid? The little mermaid. Yeah, where is that one from? England. Ooh, we might have got some Chris. Where? Denmark. Are you looking at these up, Chris? No. No, he's just really good at this stuff. Wow. So the the statue of of Ariel or whatever her Danish equivalent is actually in. I think it's Brussels. It's like there, there is a, a physical statue that, that like the like this this pose from the original uh, Hans Christian Andersen uh, story. Okay. Okay. Well, Chris wins that game. Yeah, uh, right. Let's send them to the Jeff. Suck it, nerds. Uh, I'm gonna start with a quote from John Gottman. Talk to, and then I'm actually gonna go to Aaron to start. History consists of truths, which in the end turn into Lies, while myth consists of lies, which finally turn into truths. He's got a lot of 
banger quotes, and I really like that one. I'm pretty um, sure you would love saying that you have banger quotes. Yes, he, he would. Really a young, he would really Arabian-looking man like, like you, Yoshi, my might spend yeah. more than an evening with a young John. Well, yeah, well, that's okay. Well, let's start there. Let's start there, Paul. So, John Cocteau was obviously a, a lover and partner of um, the man that he, he would use in every single one of his movies Jean Malais who, who of course played the prince uh, um, and, and the beast in, in the beauty and the beast Jean yes. Marais Jean Marais Jean Marais yes Jean Mary Reyes. Jean Mary Well, it's just like every French tutorial. When they, when, as soon as they said the A I S, I'm like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Je Yes, so Jean yes, yes, who is, uh, yes, his, uh, very prince, very Disney prince like handsomeness. It was, uh, marvelous to see him. And it's interesting on that note. I think if you scour the internet, you find a lot of colorized movie posters, and he just glows on them. It was fascinating. And I don't know the story behind a colorized poster. If it was just, in fact, colorized for the internet, or, or if one actually was around, uh, that maybe the French look to uh, with Wizard of Oz and thought, well, we should have this fantasy. Uh, we understand that there's a transition with Wizard of Oz. Maybe we should have one of our own. So I'd be curious about the movie poster, but in the movie poster, Jean-Marc Ray looks strikingly handsome. Yeah, because up to this point, Wizard of Oz was like, you know, the standing shining example of a fantasy film, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah, I wonder if the if like the, 
tunes later on would look back at these movies and see what what these directors picked it to be their shining men and kind of based that leading character look off of guys like Gene Maria Oh, Gene Maria So, Aaron, back to you. Uh, uh, before you started the film, what were your pre preconceived ideas of what you're about to get into? What, what were you feeling? Uh, to be honest with you, I had no idea what I was getting into. I couldn't even really recall the full story. Uh, the Disney version of it because it had been so long since I've seen it as a kid. So I was just kind of in for the ride. Um, but, but the interesting thing or the synchronicity that happened to me earlier this year and then and with this film was a couple months back. I think I even mentioned it on the podcast at one point that I read a book called Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. And it was this story started unraveling. I was like, wait, why do I know the story? Why do I know the story? I'm like, this is like the same thing as like, like the Psyche Cupid story. And then the Till We Have Faces story. And I was like, oh, oh my god, is that what's ha happening? And I was like, I can't wait to bring this to the show and you guys already called it out um but i thought that was so interesting because i stumbled upon that book and it's so weird that we're now watching a movie about that similar myth story retold um where there is the, the sacrifice of the, the the beautiful daughter and um, you know she goes on to live in, in uh, uh, almost like an imaginary mythical palace and, and she has She becomes almost like a goddess in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it is very interesting. So, so we have faces. It is about what? what? So C.S. Lewis did, did till 
we have faces and it's about psyche and cupid myth story and i'm not sure i haven't actually read that story particularly sorry particularly maybe paul can speak on that but till we have faces goes into this kind of similar story where the 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 pretty daughter gets exiled up into a mountain and gets uh, sacrificed for one of the gods. Um, and the god is supposed to be the most hideous uh, god there was and he consumes uh, um, people and all this stuff, you know, all this crazy stuff. So, um, it's very interesting because this has the same archetype and, and the same storyline where you know, this beast gets to um, control her. I mean, he, he basically is like, you're mine now. Um, yeah, but any, anyone can jump in. That's all. Aaron, you're, you're like totally on it. Because it, it's like when Yoshi went around, I forgot that Hans Christian Anderson did the Little Mermaid. So Yoshi's going around and trying, we're trying to get the origin of all these stories. I mean, what you've just brought up is like a whole show unto itself. And I think we're actually going to get to a movie that is based on a Hans Christian Anderson story, um, mini story, I think. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't want to, I'm teasing it for our, our future viewers and listeners, but uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But a lot of these fairy tales are really bitter. I mean, the fact that, you know, to your point, like Little Mermaid, I think was all about a mermaid just swimming all over the sea waiting to give her life over so she could have either a human soul or be married to a human soul. I'm like, holy cow, that doesn't come to life in Disney. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Like, somebody goes in and it's like the original, like, when Chris, excuse me, Chris started 
the show. But like the original Beauty and the Beast, I think she alluded to it as well. It was like, like you know, I think there was like 12 sons and daughters combined of the merchant, which then Beaumont came along and she said, let me just whittle that down to six. I'll do the three and three. It'll all make sense. We'll have the two evil sisters and we'll have the, or so the two evil daughters and we'll have the good daughter. And that is a trope that is played out forever and ever and ever. And, you know, so it's, uh, uh, um, yeah, so, so you're right on. I mean, this is just something that, you know, we as a group can can look at and find those stories where let's go back and look at the original um, uh, what nursery tales, I guess they're called, and how do they match up to the, you know, the, these movie depictions? How are they dramatized and brought to life? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and to go back even further, I mean, this particular story or some version of this story has been told for a very long time. I mean, even, even the, the uh, marriage of Hephaestus to Aphrodite it has harkens back to similar issues where this beautiful woman is forced to live with this hideous monster who wants nothing to do but to love her and to treat her right. Obviously, if this uh, is not the greatest of lovers and keeps her locked up and she goes off and fucks Apollo every night, but uh, you know, what are you going to do is oh, oh. <laughs> yeah th this movie I mean and this this story it's it's timeless and I'm, I'm glad that we're seeing the kind of genesis of this fable or, or, or story kind of change and, and weave and move and uh, but to go back to what you were saying Yosha uh, about myths being lies that become true I think that a lot of what we see in this is kind of realism Yes. Uh, of, Sorry. of no, 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 go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Of, of of what would actually take place if this were real, like the beast has this magical stuff. It's obviously super fantastical. It's in 
realm of fantasy. But logically, he knows that this person has a good heart. He entrusts literally a golden version of his heart with that key to her. And it speaks to the need for the French people to have a good heart and to stay true to each other and not to be bogged down with what am I going to get out of it or what are we as a people going to get out of this so we need to stay true to our hearts and that's where the treasure will be because if we go after that you know the easy route of breaking through Diana's pavilion, we're going to be right back to where we were. We're going to be beasts again. The question gets asked, who, who's really the beasts here? You know, is, is the beast with the physical representation of a beast, or, or is it the people who, who dress in fine clothing and fine jewelry? And it's and interesting thing. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, interesting. Jean Marais played both the beast and uh, at whatever his name was, Advan. Or something like that. He plays both of them, and so you can you can be both sides of that at the same time at some point in your life. Go on with that. Why do you think he chose he chose to do that? Because the beast is is like unaware that he looks so much like her friend, mm -hmm. and they don't. John Cocteau didn't make too much of an effort to make them different people, so it's a bit of a confusing moment in the film where Art of is falling from the roof and simultaneously it looks like he's transforming into the beast but but then the next time time you see Artivan he's actually the beast turned back into man so that, that part was a bit confusing to me maybe you guys can help me out because you know there's there's that moment where he's falling from the roof and it shows his like look like this and it's the exact same look as the beast's face when he dies and then there's that like mirror effect that happens where it just changes into the beast. 
so then so so he changes into the beast or it just the go past he turns down and it cuts to the beast but then it cuts to the the, the beast as a human walking in the frames so i was confused at that transition I mean, I, I, I read it as he was transferring the curse over to this guy, uh, yeah. because you know the in the, in the traditional story, the the beast is obsessed with money and and wealth and the opulence of, of the time. Uh, whereas Adavant is, or Aravant, whatever the, the the antagonist is the exact same, and so he attempts to do it, and then by luring him into there, essentially, and getting killed by the curse, it's therefore lifted, and then he just takes the face of it because she had mentioned he was already asking her for marriage. So he was like, okay, okay, well, I'm already halfway there. Let's just take his face and have my personality. So essentially they just switch spots. And there's that Cupid statue thing that shoots him with the arrow, right? Diana. Diana. Yeah. So what's the significance of that? Well, Diana is the goddess of knowledge. So her shooting Artivant as he's falling. Um, how, how does that make him the beast? What, what's the why is why does it need to be Diana? I think. I mean. At that point in time, I mean, you see in architecture, like, the, the Grecian revival was happening. Hold on, so they may have just been obsessed with Diana or the Greek gods. Um, mm. is Diana, Diana might be Roman, actually, but they're all the same. It's interesting that uh, um, after he turns into or into his human form, she's she's not too stoked on it. She, she like kind of wants right. to be beast. Yeah, 
And I think, I mean, what do you guys think that that signifies? I have my own ideas. Uh, yeah, I think this is something that's been, uh, you know, that definitely comes up. I think when you look at it, it's, uh, yeah, because there's a moment where she's trying to reconcile all the faces, and she is a bit puzzled, but we're, she's, also opening up this little window inside of her like where is her heart because that moment Chris plays at the top uh, uh, the beast giving himself to her is extraordinarily uh, endearing and yet at the end it's like, like okay now I have this human form is this something, will he still have, like now what's interesting, like, like she's almost like she's gone through a transition where she's, she has put the, the care and love for her, her father above everything else, it's even above herself. Um, so it's the same thing. You know, to me, the way I looked at it was that it would be the same thing that she would apply to the beast himself. But, uh, she is looking for the love inside of the beast. What is, what is inside of him? And now that he's sort of morphed into a human form, he's still intact or now that he's in a human rendering it will be a human it will be the way that you know my sisters treat me the way that, that the the men have treated me so it's just going to be a repetition of this where now she has really Realized, oh, this was a fantasy world, but this actually was a reality I actually enjoy, which is I have a, I have someone who adores me, and I'm finding a way to love him, and it is, it, there is nothing immediate. We at least as a viewer know. She is looking at an ugly thing, but very quickly she is caught up in elements that I guess to a degree little girls fantasize about that one day they'll be in a castle. They'll have all these trappings. Uh, um, that they'll have money. They'll have no wants. They'll all be taken care of, and they'll be a handsome prince. Interesting. 
interesting in this story for the bulk of this movie we ha she has all of that she even has the opportunity to leave it to go see the one she loves and then she comes back and the only thing missing is that handsome prince which interestingly befuddles her a little bit at the end but in him she sees there is somewhat of a beating heart but maybe there is some reconciliation on her part and she says hmm, I have everything this is him in a human form see where this goes. I'm open to this where again we get back, back to fairy tales and fables. <laughs> no, this could have a dark, dark twist to it. This could be there could be a part two and she says no. I want the beast again. And so we don't, don't know. We don't know but I but I do think think she wants the beast again and i think that what she wants and what dare i say the feminine archetype wants is a beast but a beast in control and so that's the appeal of it is is he's capable of being a ferocious monster, but he he has so much control over himself that he does not behave in such a way. But he's capable of that. Yeah. Exactly. Why did why why did he so willingly give away his golden key? Uh, um, that I didn't understand. Yeah, but it was like, you know, in the clip you played, it was like nobody can enter. You know, that that is curse. Da, 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 da. And then he just like it gives away this key. I mean, is this just to move the plot along, or is it really like a test? Well, or like the ultimate, it's yeah, it's sort of like the ultimate. No, giving up of oneself to someone else, giving your 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 heart and your soul to someone, and saying like, if you so choose to, you can destroy me. I give my everything to you. Yeah, but it, it didn't you can destroy me if you want. It. Turned him into 
human and like wouldn't he want somebody to go in there with the golden key so he could revert back to being a human because ultimately the golden key he broke his curse so it was like i mean what's the fuss all about was that reverse psychology was it like hey hey don't go in there i mean what if she went in there she would have became the beast then he's like, got a female beast so he can do nasty things no but then but she, she didn't go in there no oh i know but if but she, but she didn't go in there but if she did, but she would. But be she the... didn't. It's like it, I think it's the equivalent of, of like Sleeping <laughs> Beauty being awoken by the kiss, kind of thing. Like she she passed the test, which 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 woke him up brought him back but he had a replacement like the curse transferred to the uh, uh the handsome gentleman i it would have been one who broke in right who was the one who broke in i think it would have been more interesting if she she broke in. She became the beast. He became human and said, <laughs> "Hey, I'm not. I'm not into this. Whole <laughs> thing. I'm not into this anymore. <laughs> not to be anymore. I'm gonna go uh, check out." a new town yeah i want to watch that movie yeah it's called shrek yeah. <laughs> it's called shrek. hey hello donkey um, i'm a beast <laughs> Uh, um, what happened with the rose that they did in the cartoon? That wasn't really so much a thing here. Yeah, it was weird that they didn't. Well, I mean, it, she was asking for something so innocuous, but it ended up killing her father. Like, whereas her sister wanted, like, a parrot, and the other one wanted, like, exotic furs. She's like, oh, I just want a rose, because we don't have anything around here. And then when he was exhausting, he's like, well, tell my one daughter. I might as well 
Be, I mean, I don't know. I mean, th there's a lot of things to this movie that, like, from a, a like, logistical standpoint, don't make sense. But, like Aaron said, drive the plot forward. Which is the case, unfortunately, in a lot of fantasy. It's like, well, why would they do this logic? Logically, why would our attacks try and cross the, the, the you know, the swamp of sadness? Because they need to. To get to the other side. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's that easy. Uh, well, we can move into some technical achievements here. How interesting. Interesting were all, all these reverse shots that they used. Yeah, I was like, like fascinated when that, that scene where she, uh, no, he first enters the chambers and, and yep. we're looking at all the hands holding the. the the, what are those called? Uh, um, candelabras. 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 I love that. So, you know, you're seeing all these moving hands, and uh, the candelabras, it's very interesting because as they light, you can see that the smoke is coming from it so it is actually a reverse because i was like how are they lighting that with no, no tricks and i'm like oh my god they're doing it reverse this is awesome uh, um they have any reverse shots in this this film. I don't, I don't know if there were any others that uh, really stood out to you guys. And and the way to make that reverse shot work is they they would they had that actor uh, perform his entire scene in reverse. Yep. So he was walking backwards in those scenes in real life. That's so cool. He was walking forward. Yeah. Had this been yeah. done in, in 1946? I mean, I, I haven't seen I any reverse shots like, like this. And I was like, wow, this is really thinking outside of the box to make it magical to give it that that feel yeah and that's where a lot of 
of that's where kind of my ranking the respect for my ranking brought it as high as it it was is is just the appreciation for what he did for the genre and uh, uh, chances he took and the different methods he used to create a sort of surrealist fantasy piece. Um, certainly a bunch of really interesting and cool shots in the film, but ultimately for me, the poetry of the film, the cutting of the film, it, 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 the uh, sort of maybe you know there's moments where I was just lacking to understand the the story, but it did feel very clunky in the end for me personally. I don't disagree with that. I. I think, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, probably his love of he, he Jean Cocteau's love was, you know, poetry and writing books and kind of a bon vivant, but he, he uh, um, you know, he's done other movies, which I would definitely check check out as a result of seeing how ambitious and inspirational this was. I think just you know I, I, were, were these technical achievements groundbreaking? I, I don't know, but, but uh, it's definitely worthy of pouring into cinema history a little Bit just to see what comparatively he, he was competing with, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's like a solid good movie, and, and it's uh, you can definitely rewatch it, and you could find we could get you know probably deeper into some psychosexual. Uh, the symbolism, I'm sure, uh, but it's just, yeah, at least topically, it's just a fun fantasy romp, and, and uh, it's just, yeah, that brings out the child in you. Oh, sorry about that. It was my mom. <laughs> really like what you said. You know, she popped up a little bit. <laughs> no, Yoshi, why are you doing this? Uh, um, is that my mom? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard you. Must be. Uh, uh, no. Okay. 
My mom is the maid. My mom is the maid. No, no, Mr. no here. God. Yeah. So I have seen Orpheus by John Cocteau. I I saw it many years ago. Oh, and I just remember being super confused, but also being very impressed by the dream like quality of the film um, but I have to revisit that one uh, are you guys familiar with any of his work uh, no. I want to see yeah, this is film film. So. which one uh, but the Les Enfants Right? Is that the uh, is it fun to tell you? Uh, sorry, okay. uh, the yeah. accent police are here. Yeah, the, the accent police <laughs> are here. Yeah, uh, thank you, Mr. Jackson. That was a wonderful uh, friend, Jackson. We're now going to move along here. Okay, <laughs> great. Yes. <laughs> Detained. <laughs> we are going to put you in the box. Oh, well done, man. <laughs> These kinds of accent crimes can happen in your, your neighborhood. <laughs> the accent and police are cracking down every day. This is our anonymous tip line. One eight three three five three seven three four six two. Call today if you hear an accent that runs afoul of its regional rooting. I'm Paul. Uh, yeah, Jackson. I was just watching him. Movie called Holy Motors by this great new director. His name is Leos Karak. And what? Um, <laughs> sir, sir, wait, hold on, sir. We need you to come with us. Oh, yes. <laughs> Put the dip thong down, sir. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to try after this role. Uh, I think it'd be perfect for a role on the show. Position. Follow me. Follow me. Hey, how about when we asked Jordan on the show last week? Jordan, you asked Jordan to say. Follow me in his accent. 
and he was just like, follow me. <laughs> he just said it like an <laughs> I saved that for the pay day. I, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Follow me. Me, <laughs> your accent was unacceptable. Uh, you guys, any closing remarks on, on Beauty and the Beast? Did we miss anything? Yes. Importance. Shout out to all of those. Uh, Statue actors. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. I haven't seen that in film prior to 1946. And I thought that was incredibly creative. And it added such a suspenseful feel to the film even though they didn't do anything with it very could have been like, like i think there should yeah have some action with the statues where it's like like it felt like the haunted mansion you know but this is the og apparently well, you know so, what? I, I, I don't uh, know what the I don't know what the original fairy tale says, but uh, I, I like what the cartoon Beauty and the Beast did when it comes to that. And I think that if this film, you know, had gone all the way with the surrealism in trying to make these uh, um, you know like uh, the tables and clocks and, and, and candles come to life like they did in the cartoon um, and an actual be be characters with dialogue and have importance in teaching certain lessons to the characters, specifically Belle. If we got to see some character growth and some like interesting um, archetypes played out through through the, the you know the the non-living material thing within Beast's castle. Well, I think that would have brought the film up big time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Disney did 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 a uh, did it justice, you know, revisiting this and saying, okay, what are we missing here? How, how do we take it to the next level especially with the animation where we can make any 
everything come to life. So now we have a film. Should we bring uh, the the uh, I know. Disney <laughs> and the Beast on? We might have to now. I mean, I'm not opposed to doing a Disney show. So we could do Pinocchio, Beauty and the Beast, and, and uh, yes, and, and the other one. What's the Pinocchio. third one? Yeah. yeah, what would the third one be? Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, I'm down. Those three yeah. sound great. Wow. No doubt. Mark, uh, 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 Little Mermaids. Yeah, Little Mermaid. Ugly Duck. Well, they didn't do Ugly Duck. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Ugly Duck. <laughs> uh, uh, so, Chris, let's end with you because you gave it an 8.3. I did. So, Try to help me understand. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think, you, I mean, you've already kind of touched on it. I mean, I think the technical achievement and uh, what this movie meant at the time and, and what it still continues to mean. Uh, I was looking at, you know, things to add when we were we were talking about switching the movies and consistently this movie was on the top of, of a lot of people's lists and I'm not, I'm not saying that the, the list you know it helped my ranking or pushed it but like I was captivated when I was watching this film I was yeah. consistently impressed with things that were going on the film, and they didn't have special effects or things like that. And yet, there were a couple moments where I was like, "Man, not so great." But like, I was a kid again, and it was just—it was cool to see like all of these kind of major story beats playing out in a way that I hadn't seen before. I'm really happy to hear that and happy yeah. to hear, hear that you enjoyed it because <clears throat> getting to know you guys through our rankings, uh, um, I always just, you know, kind of guess at who, who's going to rank what. And I did not see you liking this movie, so I'm pleasantly surprised that you did. That's really awesome. Yeah. Paul, Paul any closing remarks? I think Chris said it. Uh, yeah. Uh, this, this is a movie I could watch again. I would be uh, interested in seeing. Fifth time, Paul. I would see it the fifth 
time. It's just, uh, you know, the heart's still beating. I'm still shedding tears. Let me grab another, uh, another Kleenex. And, and um, yeah, it's uh, cute. Warms my heart. I will see other works by Jean Cocteau. Oh, the no accent police. That's right. Good job. Um, well, we say goodbye to our first fantasy film, Beauty and the Beast. Um, I'm happy we saw it. Um, and I'm happy to never watch it again. Moving on.